in prayer, amen. An elder, keep him in prayer as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, just a second. Something's going on here. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate my elder and his family. Amen. They uh, they've been there for a long time since we've known them. Back in Wapato, all those years and uh, all the things that uh, important things that were taking place in my life during those times. I uh, and I'm I'm thankful to them that they've always they've always been there for me and my wife, Bishop and Sister Schoonover as well. I uh, I always think about them in my prayers that the Lord will continue to give them strength and blessing. Amen. But it is wonderful to see you all here tonight. And I'm thankful for today. I had a good day, blessed day. Uh, I don't know. I, it's just like uh, sometimes, you know, when I was there with my boss, I, you know, some days were tougher than others, it seemed. Or maybe it was just the winter, you know, because of uh, all the cold and stuff. But uh, I'm thankful that the Lord has uh, gave me a relationship with him there and continue to deal with me. But uh, I'm also thankful for my wife because uh, in my times of, you know, weakness sometimes, she seems to be there always nudging me. And... Uh, you know, for all of you that are married, you know, uh, you know that your partner always, you know, encourages you. Is always there, you know, taking you that extra couple steps that sometimes you're not willing to go. And that's the way my wife is sometimes, you know. She says, okay, you know, remember who you are, you know. And uh, I'm thankful for that, you know. Uh, but uh, why don't we go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Amen. I want to hear the word of the Lord tonight. The word of the Lord is, it is powerful. And uh, I'm thankful to the Lord for his word because it always has a way of reminding me and, and drawing me closer to him. And, you know, sometimes when I just need a word, I go to the word of God and he, uh, he makes it known to me the way I should go. You ever been there sometimes where you didn't know where to go or which way to go? I had a lot of that in my life. I was always struggling and, you know, I couldn't seem to get my walk straight with God. But I want to read you a passage of scripture here. Because it's important. These were the earlier years of the Lord, you know, of starting his ministry in this, in these cities. But uh, here in Matthew uh, verse, chapter 11, verse 20, it, it reads like this. Then began he 
to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Verse 21, it says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. You know, that word right there sometimes, you know, I, I always looked at it and I was like, is that chorizo or? But it's, it's Chorazin. <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> I like chorizo tacos. Those are good. But it says, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, verse 22, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. He's reminding them of all the blessings that he's done in those cities. I hear a lot about this city, Capernaum. The Lord did a lot of miracles there. This was a place where he started his ministry, where he called his disciples. Where a lot of, where he had a lot of disciples, a lot of people were turning to him. But there was something that they just couldn't get past. There were some things that they just seemed they couldn't, you know, get past. And if we're not careful, that can happen to us. I don't know if somewhere they were just becoming religious, comfortable with their, you know, with the, the miracles that God was doing. I don't know. But I think some, you know, that happens in us sometimes where we get comfortable. And those things begin to take place in our lives where God delivers us. And then we go through seasons and times where, you know, he's doing something in us. He wants us to keep following after him but man we turn back and we go another way I know that when I was in the world when I didn't have God's word when I didn't when I wasn't spiritual enough to to get to God there was nothing there nothing nothing in the world because if there was something there I'd still be doing that but there was nothing there uh, what was I verse 24 and he says but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee at that time, Jesus answered and said, I, think, I thank thee, O Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomever the Son will reveal him. Amen. God will reveal some things to you. But after that, it is our responsibility if we're going to walk after God and his ways, or we're going to walk our ways. Walk after the world and after the things of the world. 
you know, I used to think sometimes like, man, I don't, you know, Lord, you keep dealing with me in this area, you know, and I don't know why, you know, you don't deliver me from these things. And, you know, and it was like over and over. I kept struggling with the same things over and over. But I realized in God's word that I knew the right way to go. But I had to separate myself from some things. I had to realize what God had brought into my life, what he was doing, all the miracles and all the things just like he did here in Capernaum, all the miracles that he was doing. I had to realize, okay, Lord, you've done that in my life and I got to continue to follow after you. I can't continue to try and go my ways. I can't continue to fellowship those people that are not good in my life. See, God has a calling for us. There's a way that we're supposed to take. There's a way that he has that I want to know. That I want to take. Uh, my wife. Uh, I, uh, I want to share this with you. You know. Because. Uh, uh, you know. She uh, took on this. Uh, this kind of little hobby she has. You know. Of gathering all these little. These chickens. <laughs> and. Uh, I think we've had these for six months. You know, somebody brought her over a bunch of eggs, you know. And she took it upon herself to, you know, uh, nurse them and, you know, baby them and stuff. And, you know, till they were till they were hatched. And I think it's something beautiful, you know, because we we get attached to our little animals. You know, and uh, I was never uh, really that way, you know, because uh, my dad, he didn't like animals a lot. You know, my mom and I couldn't have little animals, you know, and the. Uh, the little animals that I had, my dad was kind of like, sometimes he was, he was cruel to them, you know. So I, I just, you know, I never had animals. My mom, you know, she didn't like them in the house or anything like that. And uh, I think that's why I, you know, I was always outside playing with bugs and all that stuff. You know, maybe my daughter Ronnie got that from me. <laughs> She, she loved that when she was little, just grabbing bugs and all that. But I, I watched my wife and, you know, she was nursing these, these, uh, these chicks, giving them food and stuff. And then, you know, they grew a little bit older and a little bit older. And it was like she realized, man, I have so many roosters. There's only one little chicken. And I can't remember what the little chicken's name is. You call her. <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> I don't know where, how she got all the names for each one, but man, she named them all. That would be a great chore for me. But you know, these, these little chickens taught me a lot, you know, of going out there and opening it for her. And she, you know, she's always telling me when she's running late, can you open the chickens for me? So I would go out there and I would just, you know, I'd open it and always let them out and stuff. And the roosters, man, they were, they were just rebellious. Constantly pecking at my feet. I mean, they would just attack you. I don't know. They had a mind of being your size, you know, and, you know, hey, buddy, you're in my territory, you know, and that's how these little roosters were. They were always just, you know, pecking at my feet. Well, it came to pass that my wife, she got tired of them acting that way. And she said, I'm getting rid of them. I'm getting rid of them. And I remember the first one that went, she was like, 
oh, he was so scared. You know, he was like, please. You know, I don't know what they say, you know, but I'm sure he, along the lines, he was probably afraid that they were taking him, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like we are sometimes when we get caught doing things we're not supposed to. And this little guy got sent off. He was the first one. Then it was the rest. Somebody responded. You know, my wife took them all and they were gone. So now we only have one rooster and his name is Taquito. <laughs> Taquito, he was, oh man. He's attacking me now. I go out there and try to feed him. He attacks me. Why? Where did he get that from? Well, he spent some time with those other little roosters. And they rubbed off on him. You know, some of those things now he's picked up. And he's coming and he's pecking at me and stuff. And, you know, get away. And he comes back. And, uh... The little chicken, Jackie, she, uh, she was with amongst them all, but I don't think she cared about what they were doing. You know, I think, you know, at times she just kind of ran with the crowd, you know, went along of what they were doing. And I would see her at times, you know, up there with them. And then one day we went to look for her and she was gone. And my wife had me looking all over the yard for them, for her, for Jackie. And I went out and we looked and lo and behold, we found her. Well, I did. And she was hiding inside the coop right in a little corner. And you wouldn't imagine what she had. Little eggs. Tiny ones like that, big. She doesn't lay eggs like the other ones. The other ones lay big old eggs. But she lays little baby eggs. And after that, it was like she was just hiding in there all the time. All the other ones would come out. She would stay in there always on the eggs. Kind of like a purpose. You know, something that she didn't know, but... It was like a calling of hers, you know. My wife has that too, you know. She's like, a, uh, what's that called? Mama ministry. <laughs> you know, where she's just constantly, you know, loving on people. Constantly just, you know, it's like a purpose. You know, is that okay? I mean... If you could follow with your spirit of what I'm saying. There's a purpose that God has placed in each and every one of us. And I believe the people of Capernaum, when they seen that and when it was revealed to them. It was like those things that beset them, maybe the cares of life and all the other things that they were given ear to. And it was like, you know, and sometimes it's, it's like when you're ministering to somebody and you want to do what God, where God's leading you. And it's like you're pouring yourself into that person. I know because there's been a lot of that in my life where I've poured myself into others. But you know what? Sometimes they're not concerned with what God's done in your life. With the purpose that he has for you. With the miracles that you've seen. And that he's done in your life. And you can't convince him of that. And you can't spend all your time there. Just trying to convince them. Of what God's done in your life and where he's taking you. Your relationship with God is personal. There's some things that God's done in your life. 
that's between you and him. You and him alone. Jackie, she's still on those eggs. My wife moved those eggs. She went right back to them. She has a purpose and a calling of where she's going and of what she's doing. She can't see it yet. She's never been a mama Not that I know of yet. I haven't seen any little chickies running around. But she has a purpose. She has faith that whatever the outcome, there's something coming that's good. There's something that's going to happen. But she knows she's got to continue and stay plugged in and keep on going and keep on going. No matter how exhausting, no matter what she's going through. She's got to continue to go till they're hatched. That's where the beauty comes in. The Lord wants to reveal his purpose to you. But you got to be willing to go where he's taking you because it's between you and him. You have to find your relationship with him. And I've realized throughout the years, you know, and, I, and I'm echoing what elders, you know, taught over and over. You have to find your own relationship with God. You have to start finding a place, an altar of prayer of fasting, of seeking after him, of seeking after him, not the blessings, but the blesser, he who blesses. I want to continue to follow after him. But see, some of us are stuck in a place where you just keep going through the same thing over and over. Because you're not praying, you're not seeking after the Lord. Somewhere along. That word of the Lord that set you free. That brought you revelation. I remember many a times. He's done miracles in my life. And I got to continue. To stir within myself. My relationship with him. I can't let it. Let it stay dull. I can't let others carry my relationship with God. Man, isn't that exhausting? <laughs> Where's, uh, hey, Mally, come here. Come here, Mally. I want to show you guys something. Come here real quick. Stand up here real quick. Yeah, on the chair. Facing towards me. Okay, jump on my back. And you're like this, will you pray for me? You know, oh man, I really, whew, oh man, this can get exhausting after a while. But you get the point. You get the idea. You can't have someone else carry your relationship with God or your walk with God. There's got to be a time where you're going to rise up. You're going to answer the call of God. You're going to allow God to do what he needs in you. You're going to get to prayer. I'm going to pray for those things. I'm going to give myself to intercessory prayer. 
I'm going to give myself to the things of God. I'm going to go. I'm not going to wait to send someone else. I'm not going to wait to just sit here and watch. I'm going to let the word of the Lord stir me every time so that I will show works, action unto the Lord because my faith without works is dead. There has to be action. Let's pray. Father, stir in us, Lord God. Stir in us, Lord God, the gift that you have given us, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship you, I worship you, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. I worship you, I worship you. Listen to what verse 28 says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Come on, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. It's not heavy, exhausting. It's light. He has everything that you need. He knows the way that you should take. But you got to look unto him. I'm going to finish with this. Amos chapter 9. Verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. Wow. I want to read that in the Amplified. I can get to it. <laughs> I just feel the Amplified brings it out very clear. Amos chapter 9 verse 13 in the Amplified says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest and the one who treads the grape shall overtake him. The one who gathers, who treads the grapes shall overtake him who sows the seed for the harvest continues until planting time when the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. That is everything that was once barren will overflow with streams of blessing. Do you see that? The Lord, Amos, you know, he's a, I believe he was a shepherd. And he's prophesying here. And the Lord's saying, there's a blessing that's going to come forth. If you'll just answer the call and continue in my ways, it's going to overflow out of your life. It's going to overflow unto others. I know it because in my life, I felt that overflow. I felt that overflow of his spirit. That renewing and that recharge. 
And it just, it empowers you to go further and further than you've ever gone before. Things that you've never, ever even thought of before. God will come, will bring them to pass in your life. Kind of like those new uh, vehicles, you know. Those electric cars. I want to own one of those. I think it was just the idea of not having to pay for gas, you know, because it's so expensive. But they need power to charge them. Or they only get you so far. We got to be connected to his spirit flowing in us and through us. Amen. I want to call my lovely wife up here. Mama Juju. <laughs> As if the chicken story wasn't embarrassing enough. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How are you guys doing? Never going to live those chickens down. <laughs> you just pray for a minute, kind of reset a little bit here, if you don't mind. Um, Father, Lord God, I come before you, Jesus. I yield myself to you. I give you glory and honor and praise. Lord God, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us tonight, Lord God. That our ears be anointed to hear what you would say. That our hearts would be tender before you, Father, Lord God, to receive. Lord God, we love you. We worship you. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. I just have a simple thought um, that I want to share that God's been talking to me about over the last several days. Um, you know, I think often back to my beginning in the Lord and, um, you know, when the truth came to me, it wasn't like I sat and contemplated it a whole lot. I just grabbed a hold of it. That's true. That Oh, that's true. Okay, that's what the Bible says. That's true. And I just, I didn't take a lot of time thinking about what was the right thing to do. I just did it. And um, I was reading about Peter and John and James and Philip when the Lord called them. And you got Peter out on a boat and the Lord just says, follow me. And he leaves his nets and he just takes off, follows the Lord. And James and John are fishing with their dad and he says, follow me. And they leave their dad and drop their nets and follow the Lord. It, you don't see a lot of contemplation there. I don't know. Maybe there was. Maybe there was a space of time when he said it. And they're like, wait, what about this? What about that? That, that? I got, you know, they had families. They had responsibilities. I'm sure they had commitments. I mean, I can't imagine all the things that they just left when they left, dropped their nets on the beach and followed the Lord. But um, I'm going to read a little bit of that. If we can go to chapter um, 5 of Luke. It amazes me. I just, I think about it and I'm just like, wow. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 1. And I'm going to try my best to see. I'm going to read the Amplified. I, I really like the Amplified. I love how it um, gives so much more detail. Um, and it says, now it happened that while Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding all around him and listening to the word of God, that he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets and entered into, oh, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little distance from the shore. And he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. 
When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking so that they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down of Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. Jesus said to Simon, have no fear. From now on, you will be catching men. After they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. They left everything. What's everything? I wonder if they went to the, you know, the bank and, you know, cleaned it out real quick to take it with them just in case. I don't think so. They left everything. And I thought, well, how long, how well did they know Jesus at that point? I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about, there was, I don't think there was a lot of interaction. There might've been a little bit. They had seen a couple things, heard some things, but I don't think they had a lot of interaction with him. I don't know about you, but if some strange guy comes up and says, let's go, follow me, I don't know if I'd drop everything and leave my family. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, what faith? What faith? I want that faith. I want to follow the Lord like that. I don't, I don't want to let nothing hold me back. I don't want to get caught up in life and all the things that can seem to distract and, um, I don't know, just vie for your time and your energy. Um, so much. Um, um, I want to share another example. Matthew chapter 8. Starting at verse 18. I want to read that in Amplified as well. And it reads, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cast off for the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Then on his way to board the boat, a scribe who was respected and authoritative interpreter of the law came and said to him, Master, I will accompany you as your servant wherever you go. I want to follow you. Jesus replied to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father, collect my inheritance. But Jesus said to him, follow me, believing in me as master and teacher and allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. You know, I am. Um, I don't know what happened to those men, but um, I don't think they followed him. Um, I think, <laughs> no, what? I ain't gonna have nowhere to sleep. I gotta give up my comfy house and wh what? I gotta give up my stuff? They weren't willing to leave everything. There were still some things that they held on to. Um, I, uh, I know that the Lord is talking to me about my life and what he's calling us to. There's a, there's, there's a time coming where he's going to ask more of you and maybe he has. And you sat maybe wherever you're at on the shore somewhere, not knowing what the next step is and thinking, well, I don't know if I can give this up. I don't know if I can really let these down, your peripheral nets. <laughs> um, but just like the Lord told that, that man, he says, let the dead bury their own dead. He, he's not willing 
to share you with whatever you, uh, whatever you're not willing to give up. He wants it all or nothing. Matthew chapter 19. I'm almost done here. And I, when I was reading all of these examples in the word about, you know, the Lord follow me and they dropped everything and said, okay, I'll follow you. Um, I asked that question. I said, did, did they even, did they even, you know, did they even think about it? Did they even stop and wonder what they were doing? And um, they knew what they were doing. They knew they were giving up everything. It wasn't like they thought about it. And I'll, I'll just share that with you in chapter 19, verse 16. It reads, and someone came to him, speaking of Jesus, and said, teacher, what essentially good thing shall I do to obtain eternal life? And that's what's it's important to us, right? We want an eternal life. That is eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. Jesus answered, why are you asking me about what is essentially good? There is only one who is essentially good. But if you wish it to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to Jesus, which commandments? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father, your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is unselfishly seek the best or hire good for others. The young man said to him, I have kept all these things from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus answered him. If you wish to be perfect, that is, have the spiritual maturity that accompanies godly character with no moral or ethical def deficiencies, go and sell what you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me and walking the same path of life that I walk. But when the young man heard this... He left grieving and distress, for he owned much property and had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. Jesus said to his disciples, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, it is difficult for a rich man who clings to possessions and status as security to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith and wealth and status to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were completely astonished and bewildered, saying, then who can be saved? If all this is required, Lord, how, how is anybody going to be saved? From the wrath of God, verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with People, as far as it depends on them, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter, remember the guy who left his nets on the beach? Look, answered him saying, look, we have given up everything. Just in case you didn't think he knew that's what he did. And followed you, becoming your disciples and accepting you as teacher and Lord. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you in the renewal, that is the messianic restoration and regeneration of all things. When the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you. I'm talking to all of you. You who have followed me becoming my disciples will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone. That's us who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Amen. They left everything for everything, right? There is nothing that you can give up for the Lord. Nothing. That isn't worth it. A hundred million times. That's like the biggest lottery bucket you can win. <laughs> Just for this, whatever it is. Whatever it is. He's worth it. I'm telling you, he's worth it.
I don't miss anything from that old life. Not one thing do I miss from that life. And I haven't even got to eternity yet. <laughs> Man, what a great day that will be. I want to encourage you, if there's something you're struggling with, giving up. There's something that is holding you back from saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you ask. I'm going to go where you say. I'm going to say what you say. I'm going to just want to be your disciple. It's worth it. It's worth it. That's all we have. Um, Brother Joey, if you'll take Mike and take your liberty. Amen. Uh, yeah, no stories. Don't worry. Uh, it's a blessing. Uh, you know, we, we reflect a lot of times on the ministry that helped us in our walk, right? The the baton, we hear about that race and those that started it for us and really encouraged us. And uh, the Rodriguez family have always been a blessing to my wife and I. We always talk back to our lateral A days of going, I don't even know how many miles that way and how many miles that way. So, um, you know, we, we missed a lot of um, time with the hearts when they left and they, you know, it's just like a continuation of ministry. So we're, we're reaping a lot of, of what many saints have sowed, but I, I couldn't help but think in those words that were shared from both of them, a, a lie sometimes we hear. And if you've ever been, you know, hearing the word and it pricks your heart, sometimes we hear this, this thing and, and we're like, I, I want to respond and then the next phrase comes is, I'm too young to do that, right? Or I can't do that yet. I'm still a babe in Christ. I'm, I'm new to this. I'm in a place right now in my job where I'm doing something I've never done before, um, helping and, and leading the next, uh, like another teacher, right? Helping a teacher become a teacher. They got to go through a process. And I'm sitting there having conversations with them. And I'm like, you didn't know that? Like, I come home and, and some of the things I'm thinking in discussions, I can't believe that, that what I'm sharing is new. I'm in a spot where I have wisdom in this field and I'm sharing it and I can't believe it. Like, okay, I, I guess maybe I, I, I'm not the new one, right? And the Lord's kind of showing that. A lot of times we do that. We discredit ourselves. We're too young. We can't do this. I, I can't do that. I, I'm... I want to, but I'm too young to do that. Well, I, I, I truly believe there can't be a middle ground. I feel if we're going to use that, we're probably going to say we're too old to do something else too. It's either one or the other. We can't just say, oh, I'm going to wait for, I'm, I'm just right, right? That Goldilocks, I'll be right on the third option and I'll wait for that moment. No, we're either going to say, oh, I'm too young to do that. And then we're going to look back and say, oh, I'm too old. I missed my chance. I don't know where that was, but it was somewhere back there and it's too late. It, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Um, you can be a babe in Christ and, and be in your 50s and 60s and 70s. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You could have been raised in church. And there's just so many different areas where the Lord ministers and reaches to us wherever we are. And I hear that and I receive it. And um, that's not my place to judge if I'm too young or too old. It's my place to respond. It's my place to say, okay, Lord. You know, in, in the scriptures, when the disciples left all, and they did all of that. You know, I, again, we don't get that dialogue, but we all know we've done it, or we started thinking of the things, right? We counted the cost. We started thinking, uh, and it just takes a moment. It just takes one little nudge of something to, oh, uh, next time, and we've let it pass. Um, and I hear that. I hear that urgency today. I hear that. We can't dismiss it. You're not too young. You're not too old. The Lord's calling you, and you're alive. And then it's a today, and it's not a tomorrow thing. I can't promise anybody a tomorrow, but you have a today because you're here right now. You have a today, and that's where we respond. So I'd like us to stand here today. And let's just be obedient to what God has spoken to you tonight. Father, we receive your word. Father, we receive your word tonight. We receive it here tonight. Lord, let us not discredit it. Let us not step aside from what you are ministering to us. Lord, we understand that when you have called, when you have spoken, when your word, Lord, has pricked our hearts, Lord, we need to respond in that moment.
We need to respond in that moment, in that hour that you have given us, Jesus. Let us not put past, Lord, any other day, but let us move in that time, Lord. We are not too young. We are not too old to respond, Lord, to where you have called us. Lord, you have shown us time and time again throughout your word where individuals were called. You have reached, Lord, to people, to nations, O oh God, regardless of what they are in their natural. You have reached, O oh God, to people in places that we would have never dreamed, Lord, that you would have. Lord, let us not discredit ourselves in that same way. I pray, Lord God, let us respond as you have spoken to us and minister. I pray, Lord, if it's to speak, let us speak. If it's to pray, let us pray. If it's to teach, let us to teach. Lord God, only you know what you are deciding for all of us here today. But I pray, give the saints, Lord, give myself, give us all who are hearing this word that strength to respond. Lord God, let us not get weary in that word. Let us not be afraid of that word. Let us not discredit it and put it off till tomorrow, Jesus. I pray, Lord, give us that strength, Lord. Just as you spoke to Moses, just as you spoke to Aaron, just as you spoke to Joshua. Lord, let us know that you will be with us, that you will not forsake us. I pray, Lord God, help us with our faith here tonight. Lord, let us cast off our excuses. Let us cast off our reasons why we can't. Help us, Lord. Give us that faith to respond in the to today. You know, we have we have a bunch of youth. I can almost guarantee it. I'm going to stand up here. I do this every time so I can see you guys. Um, we have a bunch of youth that are right now are hearing a word and are getting ministered. And I, I can guarantee you they're in a room saying, I'm too young to do this. And they're having people who are ministering to them say, no, you're not. And they're looking and saying, if I was just like those people at Sela, and yeah, they're looking at us and saying, if I were like them, what are we doing? What am I doing? We are them. We can. We, we are that. Um, I'm, I'm always excited when they come back, too, because I always see them in that charge and that faith. And I remember that. I remember in little bits and pieces without ever going to that, uh, to Wacon, to any of those events. I just remember that charge feeling when the Lord is he's calling you. And I don't have time to cast it off, right? I'm like, I'm going to respond right now. Charge my faith. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for what they're going to do, but I'm excited for what we're, we're going to do and how we respond here today. So. Um, God bless you, church. I will um, leave you with just that encouragement to continue to pray for them the rest of this week, and we will see you uh, shortly, Saturday or Sunday.